Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Amen. Good morning. And yes, we do have an emergency. What is your location? Uh, Today we're going to be talking about what are you afraid to talk about? So Lord, Father God, we thank you that you are the one we want to talk about. And fear, perfect love casts out fear. So I pray that you guide us today, that you give each one who listens to this today and in the archives eyes to see, ears to hear, and heart to be uh, moved to do something, to stand for something, to take a stand, or to speak out, to speak up, to say enough, to uh, cancel out their agreements with passivity, fear, intimidation, and the agenda of the wicked one. So, Father, I pray for divine protection upon us, Lord. I pray for wisdom and counsel. I pray, Lord God, that this would be interpreted and understood as it was intended, that the enemy cannot twist the words of this uh, of this show today, Father, in the minds or hearts of people. I pray that you cause us to receive it by your Holy Spirit, that we walk and act and move in your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, and that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring up any shame, trouble, reproach, death, destruction, or deception in us, Father God, in our people, in our families, and those who are crying out to you, those who are following you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So what are you afraid to talk about? Uh, well, if you can, if you hear my voice being a little, a little scratchy today, it's because I have been talking a lot about Jesus. And at the state fair here for the last three or four days, and going to go back for another five or six, um, talking about, we have a, a, place, a place where we're talking about Jesus. And we're seeing, you know, when people walk by your booth in the grandstand, it's like you see masses of humanity. And, oh, I tell you what, what I knew in my spirit was going on, what I know from listening and into the word of God and the spirit of God and just paying attention in the various sources and resources he's led me to um, investigate. You know, the fact that I knew that everything is rigged, by the way, someone actually came out with a, uh, a blog on that. Uh, everything is rigged, everything from social media to the elections to the polls to po- the politics to the you know i mean we we kind of in our spirit you already know that this is all rigged but do you ever wonder why it's rigged why the devil is so intentional and systematic in his rigging of everything i think it's to get us to, to intimidate kind of corral us to intimidate us into believing or to making these passive agreements with silence it's kind of like the story of the frog that got cooked in the kettle but they just raised the degree so slightly that he never really was alarmed enough to ever take action to jump out. And I really, really believe America is in the kettle and we've already been cooked to the point where we're not going to jump out. Um, So we got everything being rigged. And, you know, a lot of us have been intimidated by the spirit of fear. And by the way, the God of this world is fear. The Lord God of heaven is God of love. So the opposite of that's fear. So God of this world is fear. He has used intimidation to breed silence. And this, this starts in childhood. It's like, 
you grow in a place, you grow up in a place where it's not safe to speak up, speak out. So you're threatened, intimidated, coerced. You know, there's negative reinforcements. Uh, there's censuring, there's shaming, uh, there's social pressures to accept the lies and fit into the agenda. And this starts from a, the cradle and it goes on into the schools. Obviously, uh, you're put under pressure, you're looked at, you're laughed at if you don't go along with all of their uh, current policies, which actually are they, what happens, I see, is there's a twisting of truth. There's a twisting of things like respect and tolerance um, that are virtues, but they're, they're now touted as virtues in the enemy's camp. And it's like, how do you speak up against respect? I mean, uh, you know, you've got kids who are, you know, taught to respect everything from the grasshoppers and the, the tree bark to, uh, to some, you know, you know, very questionable characters. Got to respect them. But they disrespect their own parents. They're rebellious and, dis, you know, not willing to submit to any instruction that way. So the respect is, you know, uh, you're taught to respect to the point where you submit and are tolerant and everybody has their rights. And pretty soon nobody has any rights other than all the rights were given. And just those rights that will remain are the ones that you've been granted by the state. This is called basically communism or socialism. And this is not what we were founded on as a country. Now, I know I'm sounding a little political here, so let's move back to the basic foundations of fear. So fear becomes the, the, um, the scolding, the humiliation. It actually operates very, very well in society. You have people who lose their jobs uh, for, you know, a teacher, for example, who will, you know, be accused of preaching about Jesus in class. So why is that a crime to preach goodness and truth and justice and and love of mankind. Why is that? And, and you get some person who doesn't, can't figure out how to dress, you know, cross dressing and hanging out with, you know, they're confused and they're taught, they're blessed. They're promoted. They're, they're assigned special privileges, et cetera, et cetera. And positions. So favor positions, jobs, um, all lead to persecution. And that's exactly what we see. And it's, it's been very subtle, like that frog getting cooked in the kettle. Um, uh, we're, you know, what's so terrible about standing for truth and having encouraging people to have faith in the truth and the promises of God and stand up for and speak out against evil and wickedness? You know, really, the people who speak out against wickedness and evil ought to be the, the heroes of our culture. They ought to be the ones that, that are preaching freedom and deliverance and uh, faith and um, good things, you know, wanting justice and truth and mercy but those are the ones who are kicked in the corner and the ones who are demanding their rights and throwing their fits and, and using all kinds of negative means, destruction, bombing, terrorism, death. You know, it, I can't even tell you what happened to me last night, so I won't. But I tell you what, because of certain people protesting for their rights, I, you know, could not use my exit gate, at, which was a, a block and a half from me. I could not go out my gate at the fair. And so I had to drive like 20 miles out of my way to get to the road I needed to get to, you know, because somebody else was, you know, threatening. It's just like, oh, my goodness, people. Anyway, off the subject, on the subject, we're trying to be, want to be good citizens, but it's not okay to be a good citizen if you're promoting a country that the devil is trying to destroy. So you're not a good citizen if you love this nation, this country, promote life, even the unborn. That's a, that's a crime. That's illegal. 
uh, you know, I'm not, whatever. I mean, it's not illegal, but just, so we've got this mess going on this. They've made it, le- they made it legal to kill certain people, take away their rights. You know what I'm talking about. I don't know if I really need to go on with this part of it. They sw- the sway of the wicked one is over us. It's mesmerizes. We're not, um, we're, we're, we're a nation that doesn't speak up for life anymore. We're, we're afraid to speak up for righteousness and even to have common sense or act on the, on the principles of common sense is very dangerous because you're, you're seen as being um, uh, uncooperative. Uh, you know, if we're, we are not a Christian nation anymore, really. Um, a nation where a made up, a nation is made up of Christians or people who are individuals who are Christians. Many of them have gone quiet, gone silent. We have some quietly praying in their prayer closets as I was kind of surveying the people walking by, it's obvious that um, the only ones who are interested in what we have to say are the rebels, you know, whether they're the rednecks or the, or the veterans who've been there, done that and seen what's going on. They see what we're heading into, uh, you know, or people who've come into the kingdom of God. And so the rest are just walking around like they're zombies. They're uh, put to sleep. They're not, they're not, but we don't see this thing called, I'm going to tell you what it's called. It's called a Hegelian dialect. It's like a, a trick where um, they, they set up a problem. They set people up in opposition. They create divisive strategies, strifes, agitations. They set factions against each other, as we're seeing now in society, in the culture, uh, in races, between races, colors, religions, sex, age groups, economic level social economic levels and statuses they set them against one another to create a war and then they bring in the solution to that which is more control but the control is brought in under the guise of protecting us from uh you know anarchy or or um uh breaking up of the you know war strife trouble the the control is brought in to bring us together to a place of global oneness a new world order designed to make us all one. But it is not going to be bringing us together under the spirit of love, but under the spirit of fear, intimidation, persecution, um, coercion, and any resistance or resistors or uncooperative ones are going to be labeled as, you know, uh, you know, the final word, death, destruction, get them out of here. So it's been rigged to make us to believe that what we're seeing is true, but it's all not. It's a lie. It's an illusion. Um, but that that's happening. They want that illusion, the bread and circuses kind of entertainment, amusement, distractions, avenues of life. And the only avenues that are highly promoted are those that will actually, the venues that will actually promote this kind of um, mesmerizing, stupefying uh, effect. The media, for example, is the daily monitor of the minds of the masses. And, and so they just kind of keep corralling until we're all stuffed and fattened up like little pigs for market. And get, and get this, the visual is not that far from absolute truth. The visual, stuffed, fattened up for market. The enemy of God is the God of this world who's been, um, yeah, like I said, working very systematically. And, and since the garden, this is nothing new. To de- deceive individuals, to corrupt churches, nations. I mean, we've seen this all through history. To destroy us, rewrite history. Um, give us leaders and politicians, Nebuchadnezzar is all the way down to what we have today. Uh, the pharaohs, they're all 
part of his agenda. They're promoted by him, set up, established by him as puppets to destroy the people of God, destroy the heart of God in loving and rescuing his people, trying to just destroy everything so that that, that Satan, actually, he doesn't really want to be a political leader. He wants to be Christ. He, he, he's looking for the title of Christ. And so his only title, the only title left to him is Antichrist. So he's setting up the world to be God. That was his desire in the garden. That was his desire at the fall, actually, his, to be God. And he has never wavered from his desire to be God. And, but he's going to have to get it. And the way he is getting it is through lying, cheating, stealing, killing, murdering. His agenda has never changed. But it's interesting. He doesn't just want to run this world for any financial gain because he has access to all the finances he wants. He wants the power position of God. And so he's coming just to deceive the nations as an antichrist. So therefore, obviously, he's going to have to work through the churches that already exist to try to persuade them, another part of the agenda, to persuade the, 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 the bastions and the gatekeepers of the kingdom of God to persuade them uh, to to receive, embrace another Christ. And Paul said, even if I come preaching another gospel, you don't believe it. And so we see this massive, I, I tell you what, it's like a tsunami. It's like out there about, you know, a mile out on, on the shore. It is heading for the shore. And we're still playing on the beach. We haven't even, you know, we haven't listened to our radios or the radar or the warnings or the weathercast. We're still playing on the beach. And that tsunami is going to overtake Everyone, and only God is going to be able to do whatever he wants to do to protect and preserve those he chooses to protect those who have cast their cares upon him and look to him. So the enemy of this world is actually destroying this world so he can become the God of this world. But Jesus himself said he did not come, or his, I should say it this way, he, he did come to bring peace, but his coming did not bring peace. There's a difference. Jesus came to bring peace to the hearts of men, reconciliation with God, rescue, redemption. He paid the price. So he did come to do that, but his coming did not do that. You can imagine what Jesus is coming to the earth is going to do to a world that's gone, uh, for, gone against him. It's going to create great division. So in John, I mean, sorry, Matthew, um, he says, um, chapter 10, he says, talking about fear jesus is talking about he says do not be afraid of those who kill the body verse 10 28 of matthew do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him capital h who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell so we have a choice here to be afraid of those who can immediately kill you or immediately shut you up persecute you or fear fear him and do what he says or and lose your soul or fear the lord god and not worry about your life. Um, then he talks about, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls into the ground apart from your father's will, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you have more, are of more value than many, many sparrows. Therefore, here's, here's the bottom line, guys. Whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. You know, silence is a, for, is a form of denial. Passive agreement, just letting it go, not standing up, not saying anything, not resisting, is a form of agreement. 
So we're making these silent agreements, passive agreements with evil, with wickedness, because what? Because we're embarrassed? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you really believe what you say you believe? If you really believe that there's the Lord God in heaven, that there's a war between God and Satan, that we're on hostile territory, we're ambassadors from heaven, we're part of the army of God, we're here to bring uh, healing, deliverance, and rescue, a rescue operation. If you really believe that to bring people to the gospel, then you're not going to be persuaded to settle into the comforts of the God of this world and his, his um, bribery. I lo- he's really bringing a lot of false comforts to those who settle into his, you know, rewards, positions, you know, entitlements, promotions. He's really uh, rewarding temporarily those who settle in, be quiet, don't resist. But those who resist, like I said, they're getting in trouble. They're not, you know, whatever. But the, God says, but Jesus says here, but whoever denies me before men, him I also will, will deny before my father who is in heaven. Now, that like is the ultimate bad thing that can happen to you. The ultimate, absolute ultimate. I think you may think your things are going bad and wrong and terrible, but this is the ultimate bad day. The ultimate, if you, if Jesus says to the father, look, I don't know this guy. I, I, don't, I don't, he never, you know, I, I have no idea. I can't, I can't endorse him. I can't recommend him for heaven. He doesn't, I don't know him. I mean, of course he knows us. But he can't. He doesn't know you in the depth of we of of we love and are known and and we're known. We know him back. So he says, "Do not think that I am come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword that I was talking about. He came to bring peace, but his coming did not bring peace. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and the and the man's foes will be those of his own household. Well, why would that be? Because the word division. Division means two visions. You know, God gave us and has a vision for our life. And when he comes to you, he gives you that vision. The vision is eternal life. The vision is to rule and reign with him. The vision is to be part of his family. The vision is to be safe. But Satan has a vision too. And so Satan, when, when God introduced his vision for eternal life, salvation, Jesus Christ, who represents all of God's vision, into this world, it created division because Satan already has a vision for this world and it is eternal damnation. So when you have a father and a mother, a daughter and a, a father and a son, a daughter and a mother, you have opportunity for division. Wherever you have two people, you can have two people who are set up in opposition to each other. This creates conflict. This creates pain, heartache, broken relationships. This works well for the devil's kingdom. And only as we come together in that common bond of love of God, and understanding the treachery, the betrayal that we're set up. That we're set up for such betrayal by the enemy. I tell you what, those people who are following him like, like, like sheep to the slaughter, like little pigs to market, they are set up for betrayal. And do you love them? Do you care enough to say, stop, whoa, look, look, no, no. If you really love someone, you will stop them. You will warn them. You will do what you can to help them. Um, and you know what? Even if they don't want help, and that's the problem. Most of them don't even know or recognize that they are in a place where they need. So then Jesus says, peace I give to you. And he, he tells us that in John, he says, peace, not as the world gives, give I unto you. What kind of peace does the world give? What kind of peace? What kind of peace? Well, it looks like prosperity. It looks like everything's fine. It looks like, what are you so upset about? 
what are you talking about? Oh, I see you went down the rabbit hole of conspiracy. Oh, why are you making waves? That's what the world says. The world gives that kind of false peace that comes from slumber. Is it the peace that we get when we're in a stupor, in a trance, in a hypnotic, catatonic state? That's peace. Is that the kind of peace God gives us? Peace that comes from being under the anesthesia, going to, into surgery to be cut open. You know, what kind of peace does God give us? He gives us a peace that passes, goes beyond understanding, keeps us from that. You know, even though in the world everybody's in this place of slumber and stupor and they're, they're, they're being mesmerized and lied to, they're still, their hearts are super anxious, anxious, worried about everything. So I guess that peace isn't really working all that good, is it? So Jesus gives a peace in your heart. It takes away the anxiety. And the circumstances then on the outside don't become so terrifying. You know, he says in Matthew 15, he says, this kind of, these people, he's talking, it's a very interesting conversation he's having here. He's kind of in their face. Um, Debate over traditions is the kind of the title of the the chapter here. But he says, these people, hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites and hypnotized, hypnotized hypocrites, deceived, deluded. He says, hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now, this is an interesting group. These are the church people of the day, the religious Pharisees, the elders, the Sadducees, the guys in power, the guys who are, you know, um, running the religious situations or institutions. And he says, you've worshipped me in vain. He's coming representing God, the very one that they say that they worship. Teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. So they switched all God's commandments of love one another into burdens too grievous to be born, as he talks about in, in, in Matthew 23. Then he commanded the multitude and said to them, hear and understand. I mean, this is God talking. Listen, guys, listen up. Open up. Quit. Set aside your, the programming, the brainwashing that's been against you, on you, working against you, in you, through you, since before you were conceived, basically. And hear me. Listen. And then they're worried about, you know, what they're eating. Now, he says, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. Then his disciples came to him and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? They were offended. Guys, Jesus, did you know they were offended? Oh, no, what's going to happen? You know, because we're, you know, they, they, these are the guys who hold the, the power. You're messing with them. You're making them upset. You're stepping on their toes, Jesus. They were offended. And Jesus, he answers. Interesting answer. I, I just love it. You know, they're coming with these serious diplomatic problems. I mean, we could have, you know, political upheaval here. Religious social unrest, we could get in trouble with Rome. And Jesus says, he said to them, which my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up, root, uprooted, rooted up, pulled up, plucked up. What in the world is he saying? He's saying, guys, everything that ain't mine is going to be dealt with. Every lie, every deception, every agenda, every system, and every blade of grass that has been GMO'd, genetically modified, that is not mine, 
will be plucked up. We're talking everything from the top down to the grassroots. Jesus is talking grassroots here. The roots of the grass are going to be examined to be see whether they are genuinely, authentically part of his kingdom or not. So if God's got it taken down, care of down to the grassroots, to the blades of grass, I'm sure he's got the top of it taken care of, too, the agendas of the evil nations, dictators, uh, liars, the Lord's leaders and liars of this world. He's got it. Though, then verse 14, he says to them, okay, so we got, we're taking care of the grass. God's got it. Don't worry. Then he says, let them alone. Let the blind leaders of the, they are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the ditch. And we know the saying, you know, the blind leading the blind. And that is exactly, again, oh, he just nails it with a couple of words. Jesus just nails circumstances, situations, people's conditions. It's the blind leading the blind again, again. But Jesus said, I've given you eyes. Open your eyes. Do you have eyes? Do you have ears? Listen, hear, see, look, pay attention. Why are we so much more attracted to believing the lie than the Lord, the liar than the Lord? I think it's because it, it requires less of us. And there's a more of an instant gratification. I can have what I want right now. I don't have to wait. I don't have to war. I don't have to worry. Uh, I can have what I want right now. I can fill my little tummy belly uh, with whatever is. I can pleasure myself however I like. I can fuss a little bit and I can get what I want, can have it my way. So, you know, having it our way is not necessarily the best way. So in, in Matthew chapter 13, talking about conspiracy and going deeper into this whole agenda, and there's many agendas, Jesus said, in Matthew thirteen thirty six, uh, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. Jesus had just told them the story of the parable of the wheat and the tares. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed in his field. But while men slept, an enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. And when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, Then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, we don't know what to do. How did this? Did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have these tares? Then he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? He said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. But let both grow together until harvest. And at that time, the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So that was the story, the parable that Jesus was talking to his disciples about and the the multitude as well. Um, And the reason he spoke in parables was for two reasons, to both reveal and conceal the truth. To those who did not have eyes to see, it was just a story. They didn't get it, but it was, so it was to conceal the secrets that had been, you know, kept from the foundation of the world. He says, um, actually, he says it right here. He says, I will open my mouth in parables in verse 35. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. So why do you suppose he's keeping all this stuff secret from the foundation of the world? Hmm. Well, listen, I'll tell you what, you think on that for a minute and we're going to have a commercial. 
and I'll get back to you. The heavens shook. Satan fell. The war in heaven was ended, but the war on earth had just begun. I dare you to let me test them. Would you test them to find fault with me? Let them choose for themselves whom they will serve. Perfect disguise. So subtle, and yet alluring. (laughs) You will be more like him. That is why he has marked it as separate. More like him? Here. Delicious. Uh, You see? Nothing to fear. But I am afraid of one thing. Oh, what is it, my darling? What about Adam? Adam, where are you? Adam. You lied to us. It's time you all suffer like he made me suffer. Those two are guilty, and they will pay. Unless one can be found who is willing to pay the penalty for them. I demand my rights to a fair trial to determine my rights. You shall have your trial in the very hearts and souls of those you so freely seek to destroy. Well, then let them judge this matter. Let the accused become the judge, and the judge become the accused. You like that? Did that hit the spot for you? Well, that's called opening arguments, God on trial, or God on trial, actually, opening arguments. And you can catch your own copy of, get your own copy of that on our website, liferecovery.com. It'll take you to um, the opening arguments uh, page. You know, it is time, and, our, and it's time to, to get the story straight. And that's where it all began, right there. You know, Adam and Eve were doing just fine. They were good. Everything was good. Paradise was good. There were no mosquitoes. There were no bugs. There were no fruit flies. Nobody was eating anybody. The animals were eating vegetables. It was cool. It was great. Until Satan showed up because he had this vendetta and hatred of God. And he needed a kingdom. And he saw this kingdom. He thought he could rip and snatch from Adam and Eve. And sure enough, he did. Simply by getting them to agree with him. And that's still the rule. Whom you yield yourself, whom you yield yourself, servant to obey, a slave you become. So every time you make a passive agreement with a lie, every time you, you lay down, shut up, don't do anything, don't say anything, you know, and, and not every time is it appropriate to maybe, you know, pick your battles, walk in the spirit. It's not always time, every time to stand up and say something, but it is time to protest. How are you to protest? Maybe it's in a prayer to God. Maybe it's a prayer of repentance. Maybe it's, you know, to write a blog. Maybe it's to do something. I don't know. Whatever God leads you to do, stand your ground. Stop being a pushover. This is, it began in the garden, and it's, it's continued ever since. Now, going back to the secret, from the foundation of the world, there was a lot of stuff God knew and had kept secret. Adam and Eve didn't know as much about what's going on or what was going on or what had gone on as we now know. Because they didn't have all the prophets. They didn't have the Bible, the Word of God, the Scriptures. They had not yet had the coming of Jesus Christ where he told us a lot of things. Um, 
But those secrets were kept secret from the foundation of the world, I believe, for this reason. I believe they were kept secret because God did not want Satan to know about them. Because the minute Satan got a wind of anything, he was on it. For example, first example, actually, very first example of where Satan got wind of something God was up to was actually in the garden. And when God came down and says, what is going on here? Basically, my paraphrase, Eve stood up and said, the, de- the serpent deceived me. Okay. She said, was she tattling on the serpent? No. She's telling it like it is. She did not say, I didn't do anything. She did not deny that something, that she had done something. She, but she was wise enough and still had enough of her wits about her. She didn't say, and Adam didn't help me, and Adam didn't protect me. She didn't say any of that. She said, serpent deceived me, and I ate. End of quote, verse 13 of chapter 3. Verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent. So God immediately turned to the serpent. He didn't scold Eve. As a matter of fact, I'm sure he already knew this was going to happen, and and he already had planned for all of this. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every creeping beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Now, that was the curse he put on the snake. So snakes still do that. They still go on their bellies. You notice snakes don't usually walk upright. They don't talk. They eat dust all the days of your life. Now he turns to the, the serpent, the the serpent, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. War. That word war is war and enmity. And between your seed and her seed. And he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. So Satan got wind of something here. Seed. The woman's seed. Through the seed of the woman. Through her offspring. Through her DNA. Something, God was going to do something to bring forth the head crusher. So that's how we get the first assault against the human race and its DNA through the incursion, they call it, or where the fallen angels, 200 of them, according to Enoch in the book of Enoch, which is an extra book of, that's in some Bibles, Ethiopian Bible, et cetera, et cetera. That, that plan to have intercourse with the women to set up a new race of, you know, demigods, you know, they're fallen angels, half angel, half human. So they're demigods because these were called the sons of God, the, the, the daughters of men. And so we see that that happened to bring about a mixture, a DNA that was half, half angel or half demon, I should say, fallen angel and half human. So this was the, and this is a corrupt seed. And by the time they got to know, there was only one left. So we see that when Satan got wind of secrets, he went after the people. And so Jesus is keeping a lot of secrets here. And now he's starting to give them to his disciples. And he goes on in verse Matthew, back to Matthew 13, he says, verse 16, but blessed are your eyes. Oh, let's back it up a little bit. Uh, uh, 13, 14. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and not understand. When Jesus said you don't have understanding, then the evil one, the snatcher, the devil, actually comes and snatches the word out of your mind and understanding. It brings forth no fruit. That's what he told us, right? As a matter of fact, that's verse 19. 
than the wicked one when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand understand it then the wicked one comes and snatches it away snatches what was sown in his heart this is he who receives seed by the way said this is what's happened to the lot of the precious word of god as it's been sown in the counterfeit gospels a lot of the churches have lost they maybe never even had ever i don't know the true gospel the heart of the gospel the true gospel of grace the gospel of jesus christ so the enemy has made all these counterfeit gospels and the people don't understand it because it doesn't make sense. It's counter, it's contradictory. And so they, they, they leave confused or baffled and they don't have the understanding. And so they walk away. So the seed, the true word of God brings forth no fruit. But he says, having hearing you will hear and not understand. So understanding for you right now, guys, is absolutely imperative. If you don't understand something in the word of God, here's what you do. You say, Lord, I don't get this. I know. You know what? It's fun to understand things. It's really nice because then you can help explain it to other people. You can encourage other people. It all really does make sense. I don't understand all of it, but when I don't understand something, I ask God for wisdom. I say, Holy Spirit, make what is this? Because it, it, nothing, God's word fits together perfectly. It, it does, it's not contradictory to itself. God is not a contradiction to himself. He doesn't go against himself. And so he... So everything has to fit together, make sense, and be a complement to everything else that God says. It all has to agree in harmony. And you can't have this doctrine hanging out over here that is contrary to this doctrine hanging out over there because what it's going to do is create uh, deception and confusion. But having eyes and ears, you do not perceive. Because why? Because people don't want to know. He says, the heart of this people has grown dull. How did their heart grow dull? Did God make your heart dull? Did God make your mind to go blank? Did God make you to forget stuff? Is that how God created your brain? I can't think. I don't know. I'm blank. I got nothing. Duh. I can't think. I, you know, IDK. I don't know. Now they have an abbreviation for it. IDK. Honestly. Really? Okay. I don't know what's going on. So dull hearted. Why are they dull? Because the heart is supposed to be a place of love and passion and compassion and life. And energy, energy, and anointing, but our lives, are be- our hearts have become dull, full of, like Jesus said, that this heart, full of death and destruction, adulteries, perversions, everything that's in there defiles us, makes us yucky. Okay, so He wants to purify our heart, and the thing that purifies our heart is the Holy Word of God. It's like water; it goes in there, washes it out. So dullness, this world is dullness. The pain of this world, the, the difficulties, the distractions, the everyday routine of this world has dulled us down, dumbed us down to not even know, not even think or know that there's something way more big out there. There's something much more sinister behind all of this. Guys, don't be so naive. You're not children. You know, actually, children get this. <clears throat> Children can actually see this better than human than adults because they aren't so perverted yet by the corruptions of this world. They're looking for Jesus. That's why their hearts are tender. They're still, they've, they're, they're, it's been more recent. They've been in, in God's presence and God's thoughts more recently than we have. And so they're much more easily um, brought to faith until they get all their reasoning powers going and begin to reason. Religion comes in there. And, and rebellion and rejection 
and begin to discourage them. The heart of this people has grown dull, grown dull, or you could say weary, too. Their ears are hard of hearing. They're deaf. The deaf and dumb demons, spirits. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. The deaf and dumb spirits are hard at work in the minds, the hearts, the mouths, the brains, the comprehension centers of almost everybody I know. What is a deaf and dumb spirit? A deaf and dumb spirit, well, first of all, deaf. What does that mean? You can't hear. That means what? You can't take in information. You can't, it, it doesn't get in right. It, it gets twisted. It gets perverted. You know, when you're talking to your children, you're talking to your mate, your spouse, you're talking to your boss, you're talking to anybody, whatever you're saying to them, chances are more than likely that they didn't get it correct. They didn't hear it properly because Satan puts a twist on everything so that when you hear the word of God, it goes in twisted. And nobody's there to correct it on the other end. <clears throat> Excuse me. Nobody's there to correct it. So, so you don't know that you're being lied to by the very fact that what you're hearing is, a, is twisted. So you get a twisted piece of information in there. Or you can't hear at all. You can't hear the truth at all because you're tuned into other frequencies you know, it's all about frequencies and vibrations, so you're not tr- turned into the truth about God's voice, God's word. You're tuned into, uh, what are some of the sports channels and the home shopping network and God only knows what else. And, and all these lovely, lovely you know, news services. Oh, my. I, I won't even name them because you don't need me to name them. You know them better than I do. You're tuned into all that stuff, and you're not tuned into the heart of God the word of God. So we don't hear it. So it's deaf. And if you're deaf, then you're going to be dumb because if you're not, if you can't take in information, then how can you process it? And if you can't process it and you don't know what you heard and you don't know what to make of it and you're mute, a deaf and dumb spirit usually comes with a mute spirit. Silence. What we're talking about now, don't want to speak up the agreement we've made with silence because if I say anything, Oh, you know, peer pressure, what will people say? You know what? I don't care. It doesn't matter what people say. I, here's our people, anybody you know, anybody in your court that's got your back, anybody, friend or enemy, going to be able to stand before the Lord God Almighty on the day that you get judged and stand there and testify for or against you, for God, so that God will know you and accept you. Seriously. Who's going to get into that courtroom when it's your turn? Who's going to say, well, he's a good guy, let him in? Who's going to, you know who might get in? <laughs> Just thinking about this. Maybe when you're standing before God, all the people are going to pass by that you hurt, that you lied to, or that you gave a cup of cold water to, or that you, you went out of your way to help. All those people, they're just, we got to look at all that, but that's the record. God will look. It's not about good works. We're not getting in based on good works. Don't get me wrong. But he's saying that he's going to have to say to some of them, I don't know you. But there's nobody that you're worried about and afraid of now that you're keeping silent about, that you're not saying anything to. Anybody you're giving man for your people pleasing privileges to now that is going to ever stand up for you. And so why are you afraid? So we don't speak out. So we have deaf, can't hear. Dumb, can't say anything. And, you know, really seriously, even common sense is a virtue that's being lost these days. Seriously, what do, people don't 
think. They don't think. They're taught not to think. They're taught to receive, believe, do what they're told to do. We're trained not to think. We're, it's, I don't know what. Is, is thinking painful or something? I don't know. Does it hurt your brain? They're, they're being corralled into this cosmic oneness of mind and uh, I don't even know this guru stuff. But anyway, seriously, what has, what is the last time, when's the last time you had an original thought where you actually thought something that somebody else didn't tell you to think it? You have thoughts you think all the time that you think are your thoughts that aren't your thoughts. Seriously, not every thought you think you thought are your are thoughts you thought. And that's a problem too, because you're buying into thinking, well, I think this, I feel that. I am depressed. I am no good. I am alone. Uh, I am a loser. It is my fault. Who's talking to you? Is that the Holy Spirit? There are only two kingdoms. And for you who got three kingdoms, I feel bad for you because you think you got a kingdom of flesh? Oh, yeah? Well, in the end, there's only two. And your flesh and your body, your mind, soul, will, every part of you is going to be in one of those other two kingdoms. So get over that. It's just my flesh. That's a lie. It is a total lie built by Satan, fostered and promoted in the churches to get people navel-gazing, get people into navel-gazing, examining themselves all the time, self-effort, self-improvement, blah, 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 blah. You know what? I'm not into any self-improvement. Let the Holy Spirit improve me. What else has he got to do in there? That's his job. My job is to rest in the Lord and let the Holy Spirit work and listen to him and do what he said. And that's what a good army does. They do, they do what they're commanded and told to do, and they do it glory willingly. Okay, so here we have blessed. He says, your ears are hard of hearing, deaf, dumb. Your eyes are closed. What are you looking at? What are you finding satisfaction in? What are you escaping to? to? I mean, we got escapes like more than a dog's got hair on his back. You can think of every dumb thing you want to waste your time on. And my question to you on any of that stuff is, you know, is it edifying? Is it a blessing? And what will it matter four, five, 10, 20, 100 years from now? What will it matter? And if you make all kinds of money and you get yourself on the top of the pile, how long is that going to last? And if you're beautiful for a little while, what happens when you're not? What happens when we base all of our worth and value on what we do on our strengths? Bodybuilding, beauty, money, position, praise of other people, power against other people or over other people. What's all that? If you don't know Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you got nothing. You got less than nothing. You got worse than nothing because nothing would be a blessing. You got death and destruction, eternal damnation looking at you. Seriously. Now, if you already know all the stuff that I'm telling you, then go tell somebody else. Crying out loud. We ain't got much time left. You already know this. You know stuff in your spirit. In your mind, you may not yet know it because the Bible says, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. But God has revealed those things to us by his spirit that we might know. Those scriptures are in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11. So you, you, the things of a man, you don't know, know things that are not of you. I don't know how many mosquitoes bit me this morning on my way out to the garbage. I don't know, but there was a, quite a few. You know, I don't know how many fruit flies were in that stuff I dumped out this morning in the in the in the compost pile, but I would say trillions. <laughs> I don't need to know that, but I do know, I do know that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. I do know there are plagues on the earth, and I do know that last night's rain was not a blessing. 
Okay. I know stuff. You know stuff. So start to tell people the truth about what you know. And if you are brave and stop being so afraid, don't be a sissy. Now is not a time to be a sissy. Fear not. You know what? Actually, dead men are never afraid of anything. Dead men are dead. You're dead already. So you died with Christ, right? So now you're alive again. You can't die. I mean, you can die the first time, but you're not going to die the second time. You got nothing to lose. You're one of God's. Get with the program, the heavenly program. So he says, their ears are hard of hearing or dull of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed. I don't want to see this. I don't want to know this. I know people, they think, I don't want to know this. You know, I don't want to know it either. I mean, seriously, what, how edifying is it to listen to all this garbage out there? But you know enough to know that this is not good. And Jesus is coming again very soon. And, you know, even talking to all the people at the fair, they say, yeah, yeah, whispering to me. Whispering. Okay. In this loud building full of noise and fans and vendors, they're whispering, yeah, I know, I know Jesus is coming back. Yeah, right. Okay, well, don't tell anybody, okay? <laughs> all right, seriously. All right, let's, let's be brave. All right. All right, they should, um, <clears throat> lest they should see with their eyes. They don't want to see it. They don't want to hear it. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn that I should heal them. So healing and liberty come from knowing, declaring, claiming, standing, and bringing glory to God. Praise and glory. God is glorified and God is honored and God is praised when his kids stand up for that which is right. That which is right before God. That which is true to the kingdom of God. And then he says to them in verse 6 still in Matthew 13, 16. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So he's saying a lot of good guys, the prophets, you know, the righteous people, men and women of old. John, John the Baptist, Elizabeth, Zechariah, you know, Isaiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Daniel. They wanted to know this stuff. They would have loved to know this stuff, but they were up in the early eras of the timeline, and they didn't get all this last day's revelation. You know, it didn't come even until John was 90 years old. The other apostles didn't even know the book of Revelation. He was probably the last one living. So Peter didn't know it when he was alive. I mean, Peter didn't even get the whole thing. John got as much as he could get, and then he was taken. But he left it for us. So, but here's the other problem. You know, to whom much is given, of him much will be required. So if you got this, you know this, you're not going to get out of this. You're going say, well, God, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. The more you got, the more you, you're responsible for telling other people about. And so ultimately you have a choice to make. Now here's the deal. Jesus... He, he has a plan for us. He commissioned the disciples, the apostles. There was apostles and disciples by the time we get done. You know, he's about ready to take them into heaven. He says, so they're all standing there, you know, and the great commission is given, at, I think, in the end of every gospel in some way or another. And Jesus spoke to them in Matthew, says, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bring them into my kingdom. Commit them, get them committed to my kingdom. Cause them to make a, a declaration through their 
verbal, you know, he says, with your mouth you confess, with your heart you believe. And the baptism is kind of like a symbolic dedication, a watery death, grave, where you go into that grave, you come out. It, he says, get them um, brought into, bring them into my kingdom, um, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And what did Jesus command? That we love one another, that we believe what God says and what, that God has come, that Jesus is coming again, that his kingdom has come. But the Beatitudes, uh, the, the Gospels, to believe the epistles, to believe what he said. He says, and lo, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Oh, there is an end of the age coming. For those of you who haven't been taught that doctrine that Jesus isn't coming again. Lo, I am with you to the end of the age. You better check that out. So we have, and in in Mark, you know, we have go into all the world. Obviously, that's kind of the most famous one, 1615. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. It's not the magic of baptism that saves you. You got to have the belief with it. And when you're baptizing babies, you're actually just dedicating them to God, which is a cool thing. Very cool. But at some point along the line, they're going to have to get, in the, get involved as well and sign the contract themselves. You can do something for them before they're 18 maybe, but once they're 18, they have to sign that contract themselves. I'm not saying, I'm not saying 18 is the magic number, but I'm saying at some point you may have dedicated or been dedicated to the Lord. At some point in your life, if you live long enough, you're going to have to say yes to that dedication. You've got to put your own stamp of approval on because you've got to confess it yourself. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will not be, will be condemned. But he who does not believe will, will be condemned. Actually, Jesus said in John 3, you're condemned already. That's it. You come into the world, everybody is lost. Everybody is going the wrong way. Repentance means turn around, change your mind, and go towards the light. God is the light, not the false light. Okay. He, and these signs will follow those who, who believe. Now, this is pretty exciting. In the other one, Jesus says, I've, give, I've got all authority. And Luke, he says, I give you all authority. And now he says, here, go use my authority. In my name, they will cast out demons. Now, how necessary is that? You say, oh, we live in a nice, civilized society. That, that happens maybe over in Africa. That doesn't happen in our nice church. Nobody has demons in our church. Oh, <laughs> probably got one right there looking at you, lying to you, speaking in your mind, thinking your thoughts for you, controlling you, manipulating your emotions and your feelings, putting cravings in your, in your mouth and your taste buds, messing with your digestive system, you know, putting, oh yeah, we don't have any need for demons to be cast out. They will speak with new tongues. Well, what is that? What does that mean? That means you're going to start praying to God in a language you don't even understand but that God understands. And in that prayer language, by the way, being filled with the Holy Spirit, you get a lot more work done a lot faster. That's why I like it. I don't have to think about English, putting a period at the end of the sentence, making sure I ask the right thing and, you know, trying to figure out ahead of time how I'm going to say it. I just pray in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prays through you. It is his prayer language. He's praying through you. With groanings and, and words and sounds and syllables that cannot be necessarily translated into English, although we do have a gift of interpretation of tongues, which obviously is the interpretation and understanding of what you're saying. They will take up serpents. I think that's actually not, I mean, snakes. I don't think that has to do with snake handlers. I think that goes back to the serpent in the garden. 
if they have to run into serpents, which we do every day, and they drink any deadly thing, and that's, you know what? People are killing themselves drinking this stupid agenda. Diet, this, and uh, uh, sugary beverages and pops and sodas, and that is the devil's agenda. Those are the deadly things. How about water? Even water can be deadly because of the way it's been messed up and manipulated. But if they drink any deadly thing or eat any deadly thing, I think is also included in that. It will not, by, it will be, by no means hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that rigging of the food. You know, even organic stuff isn't necessarily always organic. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, wouldn't that be a fine life? You could just go around casting out devils, walking without fear, dealing with demons if you had to, laying hands on the sick, helping the people feel better, raising them up. Hmm? Wouldn't that be a fun life? Wouldn't that be better than what you got now? Trying to figure out how you're going to make the next house payment? Seriously. Okay. So now we're going to go to John 16 for a minute. Because John 16, he kind of wraps a lot of stuff up. He says in, in 16, 33, guess what? In the world, you will have tribulation. Jesus was not trying to make this all nice. Oh, you guys will be fine. You're going to have a great time. You know, it's going to be just, don't worry. We'll be okay. Yeah, he will be. Well, we'll be okay. But he's not candy coating this thing. He says, these things I have spoken to you that, you that in me you may have peace. In me. In the world, you will have tribulation. Why? Because, simple, you don't belong to this world. You don't fit into this world. And the devil does not like you at all. That's why you're going to have tribulation. But, Jesus says, be of good cheer. I got this. I got this. It's my problem. You got a problem? Then it's my problem. And if, if you got a problem, I'll take care of it. Because the enemy, the God of this world, he's my problem, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. Faith is the victory. So faith is your little endorsement of God's promise. I believe you, God. You got this thing. Okay, so I'm not going to worry about this. Um, I'm going to be of good cheer. Okay, you got it. God says, I'm with you. Jesus says, I'm with you always. And then in John 20, he's going. He's getting ready to go. Guys know he's going. They're kind of freaking out a little bit. What's going to happen? Thomas says, are, my, are, 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 are you the one? Are you, I, Jesus says, peace. Be with you. Do you got to have a sign, Thomas? Okay, here. Put your hand in my side. Look at my, my nail prints in my hands. Okay. Notice, Jesus still had the signs of the death on him. The, the spear in his side, that mark was still there in his hands, even in his spiritual body. Well, why was that? Because that is the absolute proof that he went through what he went through, and it's the right Jesus. We got the right Jesus here. We don't have some ghost hanging out. Okay. So that was good that Thomas checked that out for us. <laughs> Thank you, Thomas. I thought he was doubting. No, he was actually doing a good thing. Because now we know we got the right Jesus. Peace be with you. Now, when he had said this to them, he showed them his hands. He showed them his feet. And the disciples were glad when they saw it was the Lord. Then Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, so I send. So I send you. So send I you. All right, guys, get going. Here we go. You know, mount up. Ride. You know, when they ride the cavalry, mount you know, I don't know what the words they say. Mount up, get up, we're going to go. Ride out. It's time to go. It's time to get right with God. If you're still hanging out there feeling bad about your sins, guess what? That's an easy fix. 
that is an easy fix. Sin, you know, there's two things you do. You say, God, I repent. I changed my mind. This is a sin. It was a stupid thing. I did. I believed a lie. All sin comes out of the same problem. You believed a lie. God tricked and deceived. What did Eve do? Eve says, the devil deceived me, but she admitted she was deceived. So she was looking for the truth again, back on the truth track, okay? So sin is an easy fix. You repent. Change your mind. Turn around. Say, God, I'm sorry, and confess it. Say, God, you know what? This little thing I just did, I got tricked. As a matter of fact, God, I might have been, like Paul said, I might have been controlled because I really don't want to do this anymore, and I can't seem to stop it. So there's something going on in me that's not me, Paul said. Who will deliver me? He says, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. So you could be sinning like crazy and not wanting to sin, and you better check out the possibility that you might be being controlled by something that's not you that God needs to deliver you from. And by the way, that is a deliverance. And Paul says, saint that he was, oh, wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. So you might need some deliverance. So sin is an easy fix in God's hands. So you turn it over to him, submit, repent, and ask him to give you a vision for your life. Okay? No more division. No more double-mindedness. You are now called the remnant. We're not a Presbyterian, a Protestant, a Lutheran, a Catholic, an Assembly of God, Pentecostal. We are the remnant, the ones that remain, the little bit of leftover, okay? We are the resistance. We are the resistance to the God of this world. We're the ones who are going to stand and make Jesus good, look good, and we're going to look even greater to him when he gets back, and we're going to be so glad to see him. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. We are the resistance. We're the revolution. We're promoting the revolution that Jesus Christ began. We're radical. We don't fit in. We're different. You know, you know we're, we're, but we're also called to rest. And that's the craziest thing. Satan hates it when we don't get befuddled and frustrated and flip out over what he's doing. We just command uh, him and rest. God's got to carry it out because we receive the power, but we don't carry it out. God carries it out. And then we rejoice in the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, Father God, we thank you for this day. A lot to digest here, to think about. Stir us up. Wake us up. Get us alert. Open our ears. I command every deaf and dumb spirit to be on alert. You are now going to be evicted in the name of Jesus Christ from these people who listen to this. You have no more right to be there. You're trespassing. All the confusion, division, double vision, division, don't know. All of the confusion of the enemy, you are dismissed to the pit. Now, Lord God, I pray you pour in. I pray. I ask, I come before the throne of grace right now, Father, and ask that you pour in Holy Spirit cleansing to your vessels, your people, and wash us with the water of your word. Quicken us, awake us, cause us to stand, put us up on our feet, Lord God. We're not those dead, dry bones. Stand up your army, Lord. Pour into us that Satan won't know what he's got coming. He will never have saw this thing coming. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Bless us and protect us with your blood, with your shield. You are our refuge, Lord God. You guys have a blessed day. And tell somebody about Rescue Radio. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, that'd be a good first step. Tell someone about it. Tell someone about Life Recovery. Tell someone about True Light Church. By the way, for you True Light Church people who are looking for a church over in Dayton, and there's a lot of areas around Dayton um, that aren't far from there. Looking for a church? We're in Dayton in the Senior Citizen Center, True Light Church, uh, 10 o'clock Sunday mornings. Um, Yeah, we invite you to come. Blessings. I have an emergency. What is your location? 